Hey, everyone. So this is Jay Nathan. Good to see you. Good to see you, Christy. It's been a while. Jeff, I see you, you know, a few times a day, which is cool. So um, we are here with, uh, we haven't done a, lot, a LinkedIn Live in a long time, but we uh, we did something called an AMA in our community, which means ask me anything. And so Jeff, you want to give some more details on like what, what we did and what we're going to do? Here. Yeah. So we, uh, yeah, we threw a thread out there in the community. I'll actually drop a link into the um, LinkedIn live. So if people want to follow along, they can, uh, it's been a while. they can jump in. Um, so we are, we're answering questions directly from the community. And so uh, we've got about maybe 10 questions. Some of them are a little, might be a little bit longer. Uh, some of them might be a little bit shorter. So uh, I'll try and keep you all on time. You know, we'll try and get through as many as we can. We'll try and keep you all uh, brief and, and short. Um, so I figure we can just run through and, and start uh, kind of ticking through these. I think the nice part is you all have not prepared answers. So this is going to be off the cuff. It's going to be kind of first things that come to mind. I think we can talk and sharpen ideas as we go as well. We can kind of talk through a few things. So uh, without further ado, I'll kick uh, the first question. I'm trying to get a short link up real quick, but um, I'll kick the first question over, which is, um, I struggle as I'm putting together the overarching journey for our enterprise customers and how to format it so that it quickly illustrates the big picture for leadership while giving enough detail to be jump the jumping off point for the individual playbooks that align to the journey milestones. Any help with templates, pointers, but how have you kind of visualized an enterprise type customer journey? And this is from Jenny Washington, who uh, works for a company called Passageways. So, um, Christy, any initial thoughts for you about how to how do you visualize the high level journey, but also try and give enough salient detail? All right. So, my favorite visual on a customer journey is an infinity loop, just because I feel like the the journey, if I'm thinking about it visually, it should never end. Right? It's cyclical. Even when your customers do come to what you would think is the end, is like a contract term end date. Right. Um, hopefully you're getting them back into renewal. If there's growth, you're kind of going back there. So the visual for me is an infinity symbol. Um, I think the simplicity of the journeys that I've built is uh, I've had stages. I mean, I've had three, four or five stages. I don't think the number of stages matter as long as you're designing it from the outside in. So all the journeys that I have created have nothing to do with what it is I'm trying to accomplish. It's not about my objectives. So I think that you're off to a good start if you actually take into consideration what it is your customers are coming to you to accomplish and designing the stages and orchestrating it that way. Um, from a high, high level standpoint, make your stages clear, give them clear objectives. And then I would say from there, you know, the prescriptive path forward is to go deeper and then match your milestones with each of the stages. Um, I don't create every single task and activity that may happen in a stage, but there is definitely some core activities that I would expect my team to operationalize and orchestrate with our customers, which I make those very clear and then playbooks to support all of that. So that would be my advice going forward. And I am happy to share our journey that I've just recently designed for client success, as well as all of my stages and my stage gates and all the metrics of measurement. So I'm packaging that up right now to have it as downloadable content on our blog. All right. I, I like it, but I'm going to take issue with the infinity loop thing. <laughs> but it, I get it because that's the way we all think of it. But I think it's hard to communicate to a customer where they are in a process. Because really, when a new customer comes on board, like initially, they're thinking about the first year, right? They're thinking about onboarding. So that was the only thing I would change about what you said is like, how do you make it just a little bit more linear so that the like 
it's actually physically impossible for a human being to understand infinity. Did you know that? Like, because I didn't you, know that, but each of my stages is broken down linearly visually for them. So I'm, in, I'm sure you're in a way that we will be partners for life, right? This is a marriage, and <laughs> it's still the most part. And but each stage, I do have a linear representation of like where we're at, so they can track that. I, I don't disagree with that as a visual. Yeah. Like, I'm not letting you out of our relationship. That's cool. Well, it's funny. I have an infinity tattoo. My wife and I got them on our eighth anniversary. So it's like, I, I get that. You get it. So, but the one thing that I really like about what you said and what I would recommend to anybody who's trying to do this is don't, don't design it in a vacuum, actually design it to go present it to a customer. So think about how you would present it in the sales cycle and create your deck there, um, your deck or your materials, whatever you're going to use to, to present that, create it as if you're going to show it to the customer. And what do they need? What are they going to want? What are they going to expect? If it's an enterprise customer, which is what it sounds like we're talking yeah. about here, then you got to think about how do you give them confidence about what the implementation is going to look like and the handholding that you're going to provide through that process, the ongoing relationship and account management, what's that going to feel like to them? And then what are the touch points that they would expect? Not that you want to have as a, as a customer-oriented organization. We all want to talk to our customers probably more than they want to talk to us. But what do they expect? And sort of map that out. Out, You said it, outside in. So it, customer journey mapping is, is tough because it can be a very abstract exercise. But at the end of the day, if you can really map it down to the specifics of what needs to, to happen and, and build it like you're going to present it, then I, and then go present it and then adjust it. Right. And figure out what resonated and what doesn't didn't treat your content like you're, you know, like you're working on it every day. And, and it doesn't have to be perfect before you go show the first version of it to a prospect or a customer and kick off. Yeah, yeah I love it, Jay. Well, oh, sorry, Jeff. I was just going to say we do. So it's interesting. We present our customer journey as part of our partnership kickoff, which is our first formal engagement with our customer. And we actually lean into a line on expectations, right? We say, here is our recommended journey and how we we pad this out for you. But what if this makes sense to you? How do you want to engage with us, right? Our recommended cadence is X or our recommended, you know, kind of plan for each of these stages or projects looks like this. How should we adjust this so that this way it works for both of us, right? So we're both achieving the outcomes. Our goal is to make you successful. How do we get there together? And we've actually gotten really strong collaboration from our customers who lean in heavily when we present it that way, right? Like it's, here's here's what we're recommending, but what do you actually want? Yep. Yeah, I think um, I think the hard part too is when you start thinking about one of the things you mentioned, Christy, which is ever, I think when people think about journey exercise, the challenge is that you also get a lot of people involved because you want you want it to be a collaborative process internally with your teams, right? But I also think that runs into a challenge because then every person is thinking about every little intimate detail and saying, oh my gosh, what about this? What about that? And so I think there's kind of like a maturation that you go through as well. So one of the things that I think you kind of even have to do before you start thinking about maybe mapping the actual journey is what are the core interactions that, like you said, if your customer is trying to achieve something, what are the core interactions we know we have to deliver in order for them to achieve that? And then I think about four buckets right now. Um, and you read, you you talk about these as if you're the customer. So how are we empowering customers? How are we leading them? How are we connecting them? And then how are we knowing them? And those are four big buckets where I think about, okay, we need to have some activities along each of those buckets where we can align and say, okay, you know, we're leading them in a customer journey way, we're, we're empowering them to do self-service in some way, we're connecting them through events, we're doing, you know, some sort of listening. But like, I also think you kind of have, like, sometimes it's hard to, 
to look at a linear map and every customer is different and you're trying to think about the, how complex it can be. So I also think about how can you just boil it back down key interactions, focus on those first. Do we have the right ones? And then go back and map it into a more of a linear journey afterwards, because I think that's how you can also collaborate a little bit better is knowing those activities first. Um, all right, cool. Well, Jenny, we'll hopefully hit on some of your question and uh, give you a couple of things to think about. So, all right, next, we're going to go to um, a question that Kelly Shea put in. Uh, she was a client success consultant at Rosetta Stone. Um, Kelly wrote, how early should customer success become involved in an opportunity with a prospect? Um, in my experience, sales isn't as well versed on a customer success strategy as they are at selling the product and the value prop. Uh, but so many companies rely on sales to convey the importance and impact of customer success during the discovery process. Um, there's a lot more that she kind of adds in here, but she says, does it make sense to have a face of customer success part of that pre-sales process, or is there a better way to bring sales into the fold of our universe so they can adequately sell not only the product, but customer success as a whole? So uh, Jay, we'll start with you this time since Christy got to kick off last time. Yeah, it, it's not fair that I had time to think on the last one and then pull hers apart. Um, the So I, I think part of the benefit of bringing someone on the customer account team in before the sale closes is that the customer actually gets to to see and touch and well not touch but <laughs> see see and and meet some of the people that they will be working with and understand what their skill sets are and that type of, that's the real benefit and value of it i think there's a couple of angles to this one is customer success one is implementation and, and on the enterprise side of things what i've typically done is had a pre-sale solutions consultant or an architect level kind of person who comes in pre-sale to ask all the questions, to get down and dirty on the technical stuff, make sure we have a, a viable plan for solution deployment. It also depends on who is going to be at the table on the customer side pre-sale. If you can get the CSM engaged with the executive sponsor ahead of time, that's a really good way to kick off the relationship because you're going to want that relationship to transition from the account exec, generally speaking, from the account executive to the customer success manager or the, even the account manager as soon as possible, right? Even if the account manager or account executive stays involved with the account after the initial uh, deal is closed. So I don't think it's ever really too early to bring people in, um, but they have to have a role in the sales process. They have to understand the sales process in a way that they're going to align with it and help make it go faster, not slow it down because we said something or got too deep into the weeds and the details of what we can and can't do before that deal actually closed. It's a fine line. Um, the other thing you can do around this is, is, is build a an artifact of the sales process that somebody on the service or customer success side is responsible for building out in partnership with the sales team. So I've uh, worked in companies where we had a pre-sales discovery questionnaire type of tool before we have that where we are now at Higher Logic as well. And the reality is the sales team can get so far on those things, but at some point, the questions that we need answered pre-sale to help speed up the implementation and onboarding phase, they, they are better asked by somebody who's got more exposure to the strategy and the technology side. So I don't know if I answered the question or not for Kelly, but I think that's the way I think about pre-sales engagement for both customer success and implementation. 
Yeah, I think you hit on a couple of things, you know, uh, a couple of different angles to look at, which is one, how do you how do you help? Um, how can you get involved, but at the same time, not slow things down? You have to understand your role, understand the position. I think you talked about some artifacts, potentially even having questionnaires and having the right moments. But I think it comes back to, um, I think one of the things that you maybe uh, didn't necessarily say, but I'll, I think you insinuated was, if you can understand the sales process and the milestones that they have in the in kind of that sales pipeline, then there probably is it, uh, an artful way that you can bring in somebody from the co- customer success team to play a role in trying to find the right person to do that. Uh, but Christy, what are what are some thoughts on your side when you think about that? So I, I generally agree with Jay's sentiment and the points that he made there. I think one other thing to consider is the what does the, the cycle look like? And like, how long or short is that? What are the size of the deals that you're closing, right? What is the scale? Because it is really hard if you don't have a designated resource who can lean into those conversations. If you've got a huge volume of prospects in the sales cycle, that might be difficult to manage. So what I would say is be thoughtful, right? You don't necessarily need to have a designated resource leaning in um, as a human into that process. I think there are ways to really properly enable the sales team to have those conversations where and when it makes sense. So in other organizations, I actually was the person leading all of the conversations for our enterprise level customer prospects rather, right? So any large engagements as the executive, I actually came on, I met their executives during that conversation. I talked about what my team looks like, the value that we bring, how we partner together. I walked them through our journey, right? So we were very, we were very, um, I think we, we designed a very prescriptive conversation that we were going to have. We did ask the customers also, like if there's specific questions that you'll have, like let's share those in advance so I can come prepared to address anything. So it was a very collaborative discussion. But as we moved further down, right, like our SMB market, we didn't have the same scale and it probably wouldn't have the same value. So we just had a couple slides that we designed for customer success that we enabled the sales team on, they all had access to, that they were able to go and pitch it effectively. And so that way we were also controlling the narrative because I think in the, in the question also, there is some concern about overselling what we'll do, right? Oh, don't worry. Your customer success manager will do that for you. Oh, don't worry. Your customer success. Like how many times have I, even as a customer success manager, been like, wait, what, what am I doing? Um, So you don't want to do that. So I think if you can lean in, help create some things at scale that they can use, enable them properly. Um, Maybe you need some shadowing or some, some role play to make sure that everyone's got the message tight, but then also try to figure out what are the size of the deals and what is the conversation that you actually are intending to have? Um, One thing, Jay, I think you hit on though is also the complexity, right, of the product and the space that you're operating in, because it might not just be customer success, right? You might need those technical resources to be part of that discovery and that process also. So I think there's a lot of factors to consider. I think it makes sense. I love it when customer success is discussed, as long as it's discussed the right way. And I definitely am happy to lean in when it makes sense. Well, let me add that if customer success isn't being discussed the right way by your sales team, you as a success leader need to go fix that because you they don't know what to say unless you actually build the talk track and the structure around it. Uh, it's really important for us to, to own that part of the go-to-market in partnership with our marketing teams and sales teams. Yeah, that's what I was one other point, if you're going to go and enable them and you are creating assets and materials, humanize the team as best as possible, right? Include photos of what the team looks like. I think people do also want to realize that these are real people. Maybe they want to go look at their some of their LinkedIn profiles, see you know what how long they've been there, what experience they have. So yeah. whatever you can do to bring the team to life also, um, I think goes a long way. Yeah, that's what I was going to mention is that um, I think the, the biggest area where we can improve at this is just 
helping a customer understand who's playing what role and why. I mean, I think over time, right, you're getting introduced to, you have an AE, now I have a CSM, I have an implementation manager, I've got support, I have, now I have self-service resources, right? We're throwing so much at them. And so I think just trying to understand how do you architect that story in the in the sales cycle um, that gives them just enough detail at that moment, right? It's kind of thinking about who's the audience, what's the timing, and how do you make sure you're giving them the information that's right for the time? Um, so I think about that, like, and love your point too, Christy, like how can you humanize some of the stories? The customer success manager is typically gonna do X, Y, and Z. Here are some examples of, of how we've done that, you know, in the past, but even just trying to pull in prime examples of, of how they've done things, I think also makes it more tangible. Um, Hey Jeff, can we can we pin this topic to go do a deep dive? Because I think this actually we could do a whole session just on this, right? Like, what's the content? How do you orchestrate it well? How do you enable? Because I think it's important. I think more companies are also interested in having these conversations earlier about success. Yeah, actually, and one thing I'm going to force us to do, um, I like this. One thing I'm going to force us to do too is we're going to build an artifact in public. Like, we're going to go build a Google Doc together. Mm of like slides that we'll just, it won't be like a full, but it'll be like, hey, what's the slide? And then how would we articulate some things? But I think that would be really fun for us to start leaving artifacts of our own and we can brand them, you know, we can put all of our branding on there and we can, you know, do whatever. But I think that'll be a fun way for us to, and that's a really good topic. Like we can do that around success plans. We can do it around some other stuff. So yeah, I'll, uh, I'll make a note and we can do that. Love it. I love that idea. That's a great idea, man. Um, all right. So we've got another one from uh, Mr. Brian Hartley, who's uh, a regular. So he said, um, what needs to happen in our vertical to build on the narrative of customer-led growth? Um, Chris Hicken talk, talks about this a lot. So curious to hear everyone's thoughts. Outside of the traditional CS experience, what traits do you look for when you hire uh, that have helped shape your team? I think these are a different question. So yeah, there's a lot of questions in there. Yeah, yeah. So um, have you all heard about this customer-led growth narrative and have any thoughts on that? Or should we pin that so we can do more research later? Let's pin that one because I feel like that could be its own topic also. And that okay. might actually derail us from answering any of the questions with 15 minutes. Is it customer- customer-led? Oh. <laughs> like, yeah. Some well, except, except for the growth that's product-led growth. <laughs> Um, all right. So the, the other questions on here um, probably make more sense too then. So outside of the traditional CS experience, what traits do you look for when you hire uh, that have helped shape the team that you have today? Mm. Christy, what's your, what's the first one that comes to mind? Let's do, I was gonna say, let's do a little back and forth. So my favorite, <laughs> common sense. Uh, and I know that that sounds so crazy, right? But what I've come to learn is that common sense is not so common. Um, I need people who can understand a situation and lean on, lean in on like what to do next, right? That aren't waiting to be told what to do. You don't need 20 years of customer success experience to know that when a customer is escalating something to you, we need to move quickly, right? So it's, it's the common sense thing, which is hard to identify, but like if you ask good thoughtful questions in the interview process, you could probably snuff it out. Um, but I'm going to say like, wasn't my top three always, but has now come to be like, you need to have common sense. I'll, I'll jump in. I'll give you one and then we'll, uh, we'll let Jay close out on this question. But I think one that comes to mind for me is um, I heard this term recently, but, and so I might be thinking about it differently now, but this idea about bias for action. So I want to find people who um, their first thought is how can I go take action on something? And I think that's similar to what you were mentioning, Christy, you know, and like common sense just said a little different, but I want people who I want to look for people who, um, if a customer comes out and says, Hey, I need something done, right? Their first thought is, I'm, what's the best way to go get that done, right? How am I going to go do it? The example I can give is um, one of our, we have a person on our knowledge based team and documentation, and he heard through the grapevine that 
one of our customers had feedback. Uh, he had heard it from somebody else on our team. Uh, so he didn't wait. Story. He didn't wait for anything, right? He literally just found the customer's email address, reached out to her, scheduled a time. Like I want people that do that, right? That just go out and just have a bias for action. Like they're not waiting, just to your point, they're not waiting for somebody around to, to say, hey, I need you to go do X or you should, but they're constantly looking at what can I do next? How can I do something? So bias for action is what I've heard recently. And I've liked that term. So that's something I, I think about. I love that term. Can I, can I lean in with one thought though? Yep. I think it takes the right environment for that person to thrive and exist almost even, right? Because if they don't feel like they've got a safe place to go and do that, if they're not under the right leader who's empowering people to take action, I feel like it doesn't matter how much bias for action you have as a person, you, the organization, the leadership, the culture could be prohibitive. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think you have to have a uh, fail fast type culture, right? Where you're you're testing ideas, you're thinking about, um, hey, you know, failure isn't a bad thing. It's a learning experience. If, if we go do something that's going to, if we think something's going to benefit a customer um, and we go do something, then like we need to get in that, that behavior and that motion. Um, because at the end of the day, if we do enough of those things over time, it's going to improve, improve the experience and customers are going to notice that. Jay, what's yours? Yeah. So <clears throat> one of my favorite books is by Patrick Lynch. It's called the ideal team player. If you've never read it, I highly recommend it. And in there, he talks about three traits, which I've sort of adopted as my three. So I'm going to give you three. And they are humble, hungry, and smart. Humble is sort of self-explanatory, low ego, willing to learn, growth mindset. Hungry is exactly what you said, bias for action, uh, naturally curious, like really wants to go figure something out, uh, naturally curious about the customer's environment so that you can really understand what's going on with them. And then smart is not like, yes, common sense is part of that, but it's also common sense in terms of how you deal with people because the way like this customer success sort of sits at the, and really all the customer facing roles in our organization sit at the, the intersection of so many different things, our product our marketing strategy, our sales team. And if you can't deal with people very well, you're going to have a hard time in this industry. So humble, hungry, and smart. Those are my three. And then when you're going through the interview process, your point, Christy, like you've got to set some of this stuff up so that people can be successful. And when we hire people, we really need to, depending on what the needs of our role is, you could teach people how to do the things you need them to do if you have time and the luxury of doing that. In some other cases, you might need them to have already done those things. So when it comes down to actually interviewing for this stuff, I I do like to ask very specific questions about what you have done in your career that is like what I need you to do here. When is the last time you had to go move past a day-to-day point of contact with a customer and get to an executive sponsor? Tell me about your experience doing that. If you haven't done that, you won't be able to tell me a story and that's okay. There might be a different role for you, but maybe not this role, right? So stuff like that, I think is really important in terms of how we actually go and interview for for the skill set we need behind Jeff, the- Maybe we can come back and actually pull together some materials on that because I have all of my behavioral style interview questions to your point, Joe, where it's always tell me a time when, give me an example of, right? Like yeah. where you can actually hear their narrative and it brings their, their experience to life as opposed to just saying like, yes, I've done that, right? Like where it's like, kind or of give me, your, give, me your, give me, tell me what you think about X, Y, and Z or what's your yeah. philosophy? Like, I love I'm it. Sorry, I don't, I don't actually care about your philosophy. I want to know what you've done. <laughs> Uh, I like those, the, the humble, hungry, and um, I just blanked Smart. on the last one. Smart. 
Smart. Ironic. <laughs> Clearly ironic, wasn't it? Forgot the, forgot that one. Um, all right. Well, Man, we will, I missed you guys. We'll we'll uh, we'll we'll pull together something for that too, because uh, I'm getting some inspiration about how we can create some of these uh, leave behinds for people. We can start branding some of the stuff. And um, uh, so I think I don't know. We've got a couple minutes left. So one that comes up is from our uh, another regular of ours, Patricia Awan. Patricia, yeah. Awin, Awan, um, but she's uh, a regular in our CSM type stuff. And she said, uh, customer success and customer experience, how do they coexist in your organizations? And where does CX sit in the org structure where compared, when compared to CS, how do you get the buy-in from the whole company on how important customer, exer- customer experience is to your customer success activities? Jay, you want to kick this one off? I think we need to break that down though. That had like a yeah, lot of like, that had like a, a one big question and with like a lot of little. So I think the first question is, I think the first question that, that Patricia is asking is, you know, how, what, if I'm reading between the lines, it's like, what, what's the mandate of customer experience and how do you differentiate that from customer success? All right. So customer experience is, is I will say typically, a marketing function or a broad function with underneath the umbrella of customer success focused on end-to-end measurement of what it's like to be a customer of your organization. Customer success management is almost the high-touch version of what customer success looks like in your organization. So there are two very different things with two very different missions and outcomes. In our organization, they sit as peers. So Jeff runs CX for our team. He's responsible for thinking through the voice of the customer, all the broad one-to-many customer communications, the programs that engage all of our customers, uh, whether it be our community, our uh, customer retention marketing programs, Jeff oversees all of that. Our customer success teams are, they're focused day-to-day on a book of business, on a set of accounts. And what they can do is leverage everything that's being generated by the CX organization, bring that to bear to make sure that our customers have the resources and tools that they need to be successful with what they're doing. So I think they're they're two separate, very separate things, but they're very complementary. CX is also this whole broader idea of measurement of the experience from end to end. So a lot of times your C, your NPS programs, your CSAT, the way you measure all the different touch points. Uh, and map the journey and, and, and understand where customers are, are falling through the cracks on your side is part of that whole CX um, structure or discipline within a company. Clarify it for me now, Christy. <laughs> I don't disagree with the experience part, right? Like I, it is that end-to-end kind of experience for the customer. I think it's just customer success is the orchestration of value outcomes, right? Like their job is to make sure that whatever the customer came on board to achieve, we're helping make that a reality. And that orchestration could look different for every organization. The experience is that end-to-end. And I see that even starting to your point, it could be in marketing. So I, I've seen the experience function roll up under CMO, be part of their mandate. I've seen it in customer success. I see it as a standalone function, but it really does require the entire, like the, the collaboration of the entire organization to, right. to get behind that, right? So it's like, if you've got customer success really focused on the customer and the deliverable of value, then that is, you know, that is what that function should be there to do. 
experiences really that end-to-end journey, which I do believe starts way before your customers or customers, way before they're even prospects, like how your brand is even represented in the space, the experience they have with research and anything through all of that. And my favorite touch point is always around billing um, and invoicing because that's always the poorest experience, right? Like you send the invoice before you even met with the customer, um, you know, so all of those things. But I, I do think that there is, it, it's a much bigger, broader role with very prescriptive activities and tasks that live within it, but definitely requires a lot more collaboration. I think in earlier stage companies, what I'm seeing at least, and I don't know if this is true across the board, but CX, the people who care about CX live in the customer success organization, right? And you've got marketing and sales, which are much more focused on on bookings initially, especially in the early stages, right? Sub $20 million companies. I get, like I said, I don't know if that's true for everyone, but so somebody has got to own that. And early on, I think it does usually sit in customer customer success. As companies get more mature and they become, you know, thousand people, two thousand, three thousand people go public, then I think you see a lot of customer engagement marketing teams living in marketing, right? Where where those programs are built and run like high fidelity marketing programs. We are moving toward that model while keeping the the quote unquote ownership or the ownership for the responsibility inside of the customer organization to higher logic. Yeah, I think that to me, I think where it's starting to, I actually think it's starting to change in the industry because we're realizing how important self-service is now to our customer experience. And I think that's where you're starting to see the advent. I think the number one thing that I think about on a daily basis is how do we eliminate friction and how do we create a more seamless experience for our customers? Uh, and that's really across support in the knowledge base that's across our community and that's across our training, education, and our academy. And I think you're starting to see how that is becoming a bigger question on people's mind, right? Because we are trying to, our customers are now expecting more of a BDC experience. I log into an app on my phone. How easy is it for me to get started and to do things, right? Well, now I've bought an enterprise solution. I'm still expecting a B2C type experience. And if I have to navigate to three different sites to find an answer, then you've already lost me. My attention span is gone. I'm not going to know where to go next time. I'm going to complain to my CSM. My NPS score is low, right? That's the that's typically going to start to happen more and more, uh, the more that we start thinking about these experiences. So I do think in the future, you're going to start to see experienced leaders starting to essentially pull these self-service tools underneath them and having specialized teams that are going and specifically like right now we've got a team that's working on our knowledge base and we're actually making improvements like updating our, our updating our homepage. We're thinking about, you know, how do we, where's the search bar live? Because we're realizing that search results aren't as accurate for customers unless we tuck it behind a category selection first, right? Like those are the types of things that you want to be thinking about and doing because that's where you're going to start to move the needle, especially for your long tail customers where you're not going to put um, a ton of human resources. So well, give me, give me your lightning round. What, you know, what are you doing for July 4th? And then we'll uh, wrap it up and we'll try and get to these next time. So Christy, what's your July 4th plans in uh, up in New York? We host a 4th of July party every year. So that is what we will continue to do. And our neighborhood is very big on fireworks. So fortunately for us, we've got a big pool in the backyard. We nighttime lay on all the floats in our pool and we just watch the fireworks from our backyard, which is uh, epic. <laughs> that is awesome. Sounds pretty nice. Jay, what about you? Well, yeah, you know, similar being down here in South Carolina, everybody, uh, it's our, it's our right 
which is exercise every July 4th to shoot off as many fireworks. <laughs> to blow things up. Yeah. Yeah, to blow things up. So I love the idea of putting the forks in the pool, though. That, that's really, uh, really Yeah, cool. we started doing that a couple of years ago because we were, like, standing around outside like this, and then we realized that there's a way better way to optimize this. Oh, system. my gosh. I love it. I love it. Yeah, so we're going to – we're just hanging out as a family this weekend. One thing we are not going to do is go to the beach. We're, like, 15 minutes from the beach, but – it's too crowded. Crazy, crazy, Horrible. crazy. Not happening. So I yeah. vetoed that one. I, I told my family, I won't be going to the beach. Y'all can brave that if you want to. <laughs> well, Jay, you can just come up to the pool and hang out with us. Yeah, well, I'm looking forward to that at some point. Let's do it. Yeah, I would say we're, you know, I would say we could get out of the South Carolina heat and come to New York, but I think it was like, it felt like 108 there uh, yesterday. So I don't know if that. I mean, like we've got some brutal days ahead. Yeah. Yeah. But from the pool, it's delightful. You don't even feel the heat. (laughs) That's the selling point. Um, (laughs) Yeah. We're, we're uh, just doing some family stuff. Nothing, nothing exciting on our end either. Um, So, you know, I'm hoping maybe to get a couple sparklers, Maybe, uh, maybe throw, um, I mean, what do you call those that they used to throw and hit the ground? Snaps. Yeah. Is it snaps? snaps? Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, maybe get some of those, throw those around, but, um, all right. Well, we, uh, are going to close out another episode of CS blueprint. We'll get to some of these other questions next time. I think there's more and then we'll follow up. We'll, uh, we'll start making some of these artifacts, but I think we've already got two, uh, interview questions and then thinking about, kind of a positioning deck for CS to the sales teams and we can make some open source Google docs and get people involved in that. So I think that'd be a fun exercise for us to go do. Awesome. That's great. All right. See ya guys. Happy holidays. See ya. Hey guys, thanks so much for taking the time to listen to the Gain, Grow, Retain podcast. If you liked what you heard, please take a moment and share the podcast with your friends and colleagues and subscribe. We really appreciate it. Talk to you soon.